Well, good morning. It is, uh, it is a privilege uh, to be up here um, and to be bringing God's word to you. That is not, uh, it's a privilege and not something I take lightly. And so really uh, just my hope uh, is that um, as we preach, as we hear God's word this morning, you would be encouraged. Would you, would you pray with me uh, this morning? Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, it is a, uh, it is a privilege uh, together, together with one another. We don't take that lightly. We are, we are aware that many of our brothers and sisters uh, in our community, right, even here in the church who aren't able to make it uh, around the world are not able to gather. And Lord, we don't want to take that lightly. Lord, we thank you uh, for your uh, grace towards us. We thank you for Christ. Lord, thank you for his work, his faithfulness. Lord, that has united us and has made us to be able to enjoy coming together as one. Lord, we pray that Christ would increase through the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that uh, you would help me as I preach. Lord, I, my desire, Lord, would be that a microscope would just be placed on the person of Christ. And Lord, that we would see he is tender, he is gentle, he is lowly. And Father, we would be encouraged. So Lord, I pray now that you uh, would bless the reading of your word. And Father, you would help me uh, just to preach your word uh, just very clearly. And I ask that in Christ's name. Amen. Well, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open to Psalm 61. We're going to be in Psalm 61 this morning. And um, the psalm we're going to be looking at this morning, uh, I think, is going to meet us right where we're at this morning. Um, and so, uh, you know, the last few months here at Hope uh, have seen a lot of changes, uh, many things that uh, we couldn't have uh, foreseen. Um, it was just six months ago that we were still meeting at Wesley Gardens, uh, and then we had a new building, and who could have imagined six months later, uh, here we are, uh, face masks, right? Uh, not to mention Zoom meetings, and uh, I mean, it has just been, it's been a lot, right? Um, and to be honest, none of us really knows even what the next six weeks will hold, or the next six months. And so my hope really uh, is to do a few things here. I know that we have some who are not able to join us. And so uh, if you're watching, I just hope that would be a blessing to you. Um, and just know that uh, you are in our hearts. We're thinking of you. We're praying for you. Um, and then uh, I really want us just to, uh, my hope is that this word would, even as a brother Tyler uh, preached just a few weeks ago, that this word would dwell richly in us uh, and would be a source of encouragement uh, to us. So we're in Psalm 61, uh, and I'm just going to begin by reading through the text. Psalm 61, this is God's word. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. 
From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. A little background on uh, this psalm, uh, just to help us. Uh, uh, so faithful commentators have kind of come to a few different conclusions about uh, when this uh, takes place in David's life. Uh, there are those who think uh, that this takes place when it happens when David is on the run from Saul. Uh, and then there are those who think that this takes place uh, when David is exiled by Absalom. And really for us today, um, it's okay that we don't come to a conclusion on that because the point of it is, um, and, and you might be like myself, you might like to have it all figured out. I, I know that there's certainly a context, uh, but really for our purposes today, the point is that the God who was faithful to preserve David when he was on the run from Saul was still the same God who was faithful to preserve David when he was exiled by Absalom. And so God's character stays the same even when our circumstances don't. And the focus is God, not our circumstances. And that's kind of easy to say, right? I mean, that, that's a very easy, uh, sounds like a nice platitude, something very easy to say. But so much of our Christian walk is taking these truths that we know and living them out in the day-to-day -day of our daily lives. And so this psalm, it meets us where we are. And what happens is we, we get the curtain pulled back on David and we get to see how David responds to circumstances that are out of his control and certainly unforeseen. And so look with me in the first few verses and I want us to notice how David responds to these uncertain circumstances. David begins with prayer and he prays God, hear my cry. Listen to my prayer. This might at first uh, just seem really strange to us. Uh, I read this and I thought, you know, when I think of David, uh, I, don't, I don't have a category that readily comes to mind. I don't think of David as a crier, right? Uh, and you might not either. I, I think of David and Goliath uh, or David who's killed his, his tens of thousands. Uh, but here, what we read is that David cries to God. And what sticks out to me is that this is not the prayer of last resort. It's a prayer of first choice. This is where God begins. And it would be easy for David to sit and to sulk. That is where I would begin if I was David. That would be the pool of my own heart. It's easy to do that. David could have done that. He could have sat. He could have sought. He could have thought of all the ways things could be different, but that's not what he did. Notice he goes to God, and he just starts with where he's at. 
I'm at the end of the earth, Lord. My heart is faint. How simple is that? It's simple, isn't it? David goes to God and he says, here I am, Lord. Listen to me. And it's striking how simple it is. It's not, David's not praying a fancy prayer here. <laughs> it is incredibly simple. It is incredibly honest. And it's incredibly confident. And beloved, here's, kind of, here's where I want to go. When our heart is faint or overwhelmed, it is a precious thing to be confident that you are heard by God, isn't it? It is. And honestly, sometimes nothing seems harder than that. And so where does, where does confidence come from to go before God like this? Where does David get this? From a few different places. One, confidence comes from God's word. We have God's word given to us, loaded with promises to his children. We're going to see that in a minute, how, how that's just so central to what David, how he prays. But we have God's word, it's given to us, and it is loaded with promises to his children that the Lord is eager to prove and to demonstrate. Beloved, it is not testing God to bring God's words before him. It's honoring to God. Uh, when I make it... So, when I make a promise to my children, uh, okay, my, my kiddos, they love to go to Chuck E. Cheese, all right? So if I tell my kids, I'm like, kids, we're going to Chuck E. Cheese tonight. You know what I expect? I expect them to be like, Dad, when are we going to Chuck E. Cheese? Like, I expect that. If, they, if they're not coming to me asking me that, something's off, something's wrong. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm, have a, what's going on here? Um, and, and they're going to ask me about it until it happens. And there's a sense in that, which I, I'm kind of honored by it. I'm like, they expect that God, that dad will follow through. There's a sense in which I'm honored. And God is no different. God, however, is committed to his name and his glory. And praise God that he is. Beloved, God isn't committed to our name. That, that would be a bad situation, okay? God's committed to his name. That's actually where, our, where most of our confidence comes from, that God is committed to his glory. Second, so, God's, so confidence comes from God's word. Two, confidence comes from God's demonstrated faithfulness in our lives. I want you to just kind of keep your place right there, and I want to read something for you. Uh, this is a passage we all know. And it comes from Acts 1. I say we all know it, and yet I'm flipping to it. So in Acts 1, Jesus is commissioning, he's about to commission his disciples. And in verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 8, we read, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Why did I read that? If you're in here and you are a believer, here's what happened to you. The word of God found you at the ends of the earth, just like God said it would. And you cried out to God 
And God heard you, and he saved you. So here's my point. If God heard you then, he'll hear you now. He will hear you when your heart is faint. One of the prayers that David prays is, lead me to the rock to be heard. God is eager to do that. Second, I want you to look with me, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10. And uh, this is just something that has just been really helpful uh, to me. Uh, and what I want us to see here, uh, we're looking at Paul. And when Paul, so uh, Paul writes about being the God of all comfort. And after Paul writes about being the God of all comfort, here's what we read. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. I want us to watch this. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. I don't know if you notice what Paul just did, okay? So Paul talks about being the God of all comfort, and then he, he basically lays out, he shows what that looks like. Paul gets to the end of himself. Paul, the apostle, the one who is preaching the gospel. The gospel says that God has raised a man from the dead, and by him all men will be judged, and that he is our comfort. That gospel, that apostle, the apostle Paul gets to a place where he's at the end of himself. And he says, we reasoned that we were dead, but that was, that was only to make us not rely on ourselves. So what's the point? Even Paul needed to be reminded of the gospel. Paul, who's declaring the gospel, is not above needing to be reminded of the gospel. And so how does God remind Paul? He lets him get to a place where he considers his life as good as dead. And then he says, and then Paul reasons, that's okay. God raises the dead, and Paul is reminded. But the way that Paul got there, if you noticed, it said he was faithful, he has delivered us, and he will deliver us again. Paul argued his way to get a clear view of God's faithfulness, and that is just crucial for us. If, you, if your heart is faint, I don't want to say uh, that the cure for every time your heart is faint is if you can just line up every truth exactly right. But beloved, it is something that we should be familiar with, that we are taking God's truths and we are reasoning based on God's faithfulness. And more often than not, you will be strengthened. Finally, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. God's faithfulness. Since then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. What do we have? But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. There's the faithfulness of Christ. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The reason that we can draw near with confidence is because of the faithfulness of Christ. And um, so we can draw near with confidence because of God's word. We can draw near because of his faithfulness. But here's the deal. Ultimately, our confidence is not in our ability to figure out our circumstances or to chart a way to maturity. It is in God who opens his ear to us and is eager to lead us home. And so that, and where that leaves us is this. If you're inclined to pray, don't wait. One of our pastors and dear brother Tyler reminded us last year, I can, I can still hear it, now is the right time to pray. Maybe you're thinking, I don't even know where to start. Romans 8, 25 through 27 assures us that the Spirit intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. One pastor writes, be encouraged that in your perplexity and groaning, you're not being watched, you're being understood. God is searching your heart, and he is finding in your holy groanings a meaning deeper than words, the meaning of the Spirit himself. That's good. That's good. If that doesn't encourage you to want to draw near to Christ, I don't know what will. So David continues, and he prays, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Uh, I like the KJV actually does something um, that I think is accurate. And uh, it has David, when he prays, when he's at the ends of the earth, he said, this is my prayer. Lead me to the rock. It's not just a place he's getting to. That's his prayer. It says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Beloved, God is eager to lead you, and he is not just eager to lead you willy-nilly, okay? Like, we can get some pretty weird concepts about what it means for God to lead us. But here's where God wants to lead us. It is to himself, and it is his joy to do so. He is eager to do it. But here's the thing. You must be led. You have to be led. You can't lead yourself. You must be led. David says as much. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David was a pretty skilled guy. If somebody was going to figure out a way to a rock that was higher than him, it was going to be David. It's not going to happen. David says, lead me. Are you eager to be led? Do you set aside time to be in God's word? To come to him in prayer, bringing all your anxieties and concerns because he cares for you? Do you make gathering with other believers a priority? God's not playing 
he's not playing some cosmic game of uh, Marco Polo, okay? That, that's not how God is leading us. God leads us, but he does so by means. And those means are primarily, but not solely, God's word, prayer, fellowship with other believers. You will never meet a Christian who is eager to be with the Lord, who is not also eager to be led by the Lord and fed by the Lord. Those go hand in hand. And I think one of the mistakes that we can make is presuming upon his faithfulness. David appeals on the basis of God's character, but he doesn't presume upon it. He doesn't sit back and say merely, you know, God was faithful before, he'll do it again. That's not what we mean when we talk about God's faithfulness comforting us. If it stops there, then we're misunderstanding it. Rather, God's faithfulness leads David to actively seek out God to entreat his mercy. Okay, we talked about how, I was just saying at the beginning, how six months ago we were at Wesley Gardens and things looked very different. And praise God, whether we're able to gather again. And uh, we don't know what the future holds, but by God's grace, we'll continue to do so. But one thing we want to do is we want to continue to make the most of the opportunities the Lord has given us to be with one another. David continues his prayer. It says, let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings for you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. Okay, so uh, I would like to make a comment about how this psalm gets structured uh, to help us, okay? Because when we go through there, it's not entirely clear that everything just kind of transitions into the next logical step. So I want us to see some things here, okay? Uh, this psalm was most likely written after David um, had been restored to his throne or uh, after he had been on the run. And so uh, this psalm is written from the perspective of David looking back on what he had gone through. And so there are kind of uh, three parts here. Uh, I'm, so I'm reading verses 1 through 5 as David's reflection on his time spent exiled or on the run, if you will. And then verses 6, 7, 6 and 7, uh, sort of with, kind of seeing that with two lenses here, okay? It is David asking God to prolong his life as king and his posterity which is to say that David is looking ahead and is anticipating a future king who would come and sit on David's throne and fulfill God's promise to him, namely that God would grant to David one to sit on his throne. And then, of course, David is invoking a blessing on him. And then there's a third part, verse 8. And I think what's happening here is David is reflecting on the outcome or the effect of God prolonging his life even while he waits for the arrival and the anticipation of that king. And we see 
a life lived in sustained faithfulness and obedience. Okay, so that's how I'm reading it. Uh, and, uh, and I'll offer that just because I want you to be able to follow how these transitions go here, okay? So, all right, so I think uh, in verses four and five, read with me here, it says, let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You've given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Here we see David's love for the Lord expanded. And it's instructive to us, actually. Um, it's, he's not just saying the same thing. If, we, if we're paying close attention, in verses 1 through 3, if all we had is verses 1 through 3, then what we just get on those terms is David really just seeking to be rescued. But as the psalm continues, we see David prizes not merely being rescued, but the fellowship of the one rescuing him. Beloved, when you are met with uncertain circumstances, do you desire to be rescued or do you desire the rescuer? To desire to be rescued is natural. I think we'd all agree on that. To desire the rescuer is supernatural. Do you give more time to thinking about your circumstances or to the one who is over your circumstances? It's interesting. It's actually only when we're really thinking and focusing on the one who is over our circumstances that we can even think rightly about our circumstances. So David's prayer shifts from, from praying to being merely rescued to seeking to fulfill his role as the means by which God's blessings came to his people. It says, prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. Okay. As king of Israel, David was the chief instrument that God used to bring blessing to his people. That was, it was the blessings of God uh, were tied primarily to the king. And David's prayer for the Lord to extend his life is not an expression of David's desire to cling to this life but rather his desire to bless those under his care. So here's my next question. Does God's grace towards you in troubling circumstances cause you to seek to extend care to those around you? Do you look for ways to do good to your neighbor, even in troubling circumstances? And do you see how far we are at this point in the text? We're not far in it, but already we have moved from just seeking to be rescued from whatever situation we're in and beginning to ask God what sort of instrument we might be in his hands. And so David, uh, he says, so will I sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. All right. So David begins, this psalm begins, David, he's removed from all of, um, he's removed from all, uh, he's removed from the tent, from God's presence. He prays that God would rescue him. And then he starts thinking beyond that. He starts thinking of the role that God has given to him as a king to bless his people. 
And then what we have is David saying, I will sing, ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day by day. And here's kind of where I, I, I'm seeing this land. David prayed to the end and in view of the one who would come and reign on his throne forever. But it would be another thousand years before God answered that prayer. In the meantime, David's faithfulness was lived out in the day-to-day -day of his life. And uh, for those of us on this side of the cross, striving for faithfulness day by day, there's no less an appropriate response than it was for David when he was rescued. This life can be pretty frustrating and overwhelming. Just pick a day, any day in the last six months, and it was probably crazier than the 24 hours that came before it, okay? But there is coming a day when all things will be restored, and we will enjoy the kind of fellowship with God that you have with a best friend. You will be able to really see him, and we will really be with him. I'm not sure what all that looks like. I know Christ is returning. I'm not the guy who has all the eschatology figured out. I think it's important. But here's what I know. I know Christ is returning. He's coming back for his bride. And on that day, what we will get is Christ. We will get him. And beloved, if he is our refuge, that will be enough to sustain us until he comes, come what may. So here's where I want to end this. This isn't a terribly long sermon. My beloved, and the circumstances that we're in are you seeking to be led by God? God is eager to hear you. Are you seeking to be led? Are you making the most of the opportunities together with the body? And then are you thinking on and in light of Christ's return to sustain you? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would um, really just, Lord, all of us are needing to be led. There's not a single one of us in here who has arrived, who has figured out how to take your hand uh, in such a way that uh, we're never tempted to trust our own devices. God, we need to be led. Would you do that? Lord, if there would be anyone in here uh, who doesn't know you? Lord, would they be inclined to draw near to you? And Father, would they find you faithful to receive them? Lord, we pray that you would keep our eyes fixed on Christ and hoping in him and in him alone. Lord, we don't know what these days hold for us. Uh, it, it, this week could change in the next, in the next hour. We don't know. Uh, but, Lord, what we do know is all things um, are not a mystery to you. You know all things, uh, Lord, and they're known to you, and that is enough for us. So, Lord, we pray that you would sustain us. Lord, you are a refuge. 
Lord, thank you for your grace that is eager to rescue us. And Lord, we pray that you uh, just would be honored and exalted as we seek to to live faithfully before you day by day. In Christ's name.